to the Timberlane Regional High School AP World History Podcast. These podcasts will serve as supplementary material and review forums for the in-class lectures and discussions. Although they are not a substitute for in-class notes, many AP students have found these podcasts helpful, not just for augmentation of their learning, but also as review tools. So keep these handy for the unit tests and the AP exam in May. In this podcast, we are looking at Chapter 1 of Bullier's The Earth and Its Peoples, 4th edition, from the origins of agriculture to the first river valley civilizations, 8,000 to 1,500 BCE. chapter is important for two reasons. One, it models the kinds of questions one asks in historical inquiry, and two, it gives the basic information on early civilizations that you'll use for comparing to the information in later chapters. As you read, look for common patterns among the chapter's selections on prehistoric, Mesopotamian, Egyptian, and Indus civilizations. Don't try to memorize every pharaoh or king, or worry too much about precise dates. You should be able to place events in the correct chronological order and correct century, but you will not need to place events into a specific year. After reading Chapter 1, you should be able to explain how geography and climate interact with the development of human society, including demographic features. Place the general agricultural technological, political, and cultural developments in this chapter in the correct time period. Evaluate the appropriateness of using the concept of civilization as the basic unit of historical study. Give cultural and technological examples of diffusion and compare them to examples of independent invention. And finally, you should be able to compare the political, cultural, and social characteristics of ancient Mesopotamia, Egypt, and Indus Valley civilizations. We start off this chapter looking at before civilization. Stone tool making, the first recognizable cultural activity, first appeared around two million years ago. The period, known as the Stone Age, lasted until around 4,000 years ago. It is subdivided into the Paleolithic, Old Stone Age, to about 10,000 years ago, and the Neolithic, the New Stone Age. The diet of Stone Age peoples probably consisted more of foraged vegetable foods than of meat. Human use of fire can be traced back to 1 to 1.5 million years ago, but conclusive evidence of cooking in the form of clay pots can only be found as far back as 12,500 years ago. Researchers believe that in Ice Age society, women would have been responsible for gathering, cooking, and childcare, 
while men would have been responsible for hunting. The hunter-gatherers probably lived in fairly small groups and migrated regularly to follow game animals and to collect seasonally ripened plants. Migrating hunter-gatherer groups built huts of branches, stones, bones, skins, and leaves as seasonal camps. Animal skins served as clothing, with the earliest evidence of woven cloth appearing about 26,000 years ago. Hunter-gatherers probably had to spend more time than three to five hours a day on getting food, clothing, and shelter. This left them a great deal of time for artistic endeavors, tool-making, and social life. The foundations of what later ages called science, art, and religion also date to the Stone Age. Gatherers learned which local plants were edible and when they ripened, as well as which natural substances were effective for medicine, consciousness-altering, dying, and other purposes. Hunters learned the habits of game animals. People experimented with techniques of using plant and animal materials for clothing, twine, and construction. Knowledge of the environment included identifying which minerals made good paints and which stones made good tools. Cave paintings appear as early as 32,000 years ago in Europe and North Africa, and somewhat later in other parts of the world. Because many feature food animals like wild oxen, reindeer, and horses, some scholars believe that the art recorded hunting scenes or played a magical and religious role in hunting. Some scholars suspect that other marks in cave paintings and on bones may represent efforts at counting or writing. Cave art suggests that Ice Age people had a complex religion. Their burial sites indicate that they may have believed in an afterlife. The agricultural revolutions, the domestication of plants and animals, were a series of changes in food production that occurred independently in various parts of the world. The first stage of the long process of domestication of plants was semi-cultivation, in which people would scatter the seeds of desirable food-producing plants in places where they would be likely to grow. Early farmers used fire to clear fields of shrubs and trees and discovered that ashes were a natural fertilizer. After the burn-off, farmers used blades and axes to keep the land clear. The transition to agriculture took place first and is best documented in the Middle East. But the same sort of transition took place independently in other parts of the world, including the Eastern Sahara, the Nile Valley, Greece, Central Europe, and along the Danube River. Early farmers practiced Swidden agriculture, changing fields periodically as the fertility of the soil became depleted. The environments in which agriculture developed dictated the choice of crops. Wheat and barley were suited to the Mediterranean area, sorghum, millet, and teff to sub-Saharan Africa, yams to equatorial West Africa, rice to eastern and southern Asia, and maize, potatoes, quinoa, and manioc in various parts of the Americas. Domestication of animals proceeded at the same time as domestication of plants. Human hunters first domesticated dogs. Sheep and goats were later domesticated for their meat, milk, and wool. Like domestic plant species, varieties of domesticated animals spread from one region to another. Cattle in northern Africa and or the Middle East, donkeys in northern Africa, water buffalo in China, humpback zebu cattle in India, horses and two humped camels in Central Asia, one humped camel in Arabia, chickens in Southeast Asia, and pigs in several places. 
In the Americas, domestic llamas provided meat, transport, and wool, while dogs, guinea pigs, and turkeys provided meat. Scholars believe that these were the only domesticated American species. However, despite the geographical isolation of the Americas, domestic chickens first appeared before the coming of the Europeans, presumably by way of Pacific Ocean seafarers. Pastoralism came to predominate in arid regions such as the Sahara. Moving large herds of graving livestock to new pastures and watering places throughout the year made pastoralists almost as mobile as foragers and discouraged substantial dwellings and the accumulation of bulky possessions. Most researchers agree that humans made the transition from hunter-gatherer to agricultural or pastoralist economies because the global warming of the Heliocene period, beginning around 11,000 BCE, brought with it environmental changes that reduced the supplies of game and wild food plants. The agricultural revolutions brought about the significant increase in the world's human population, from 10 million in 5000 BCE to between 50 and 100 million by 1000 BCE. In the Neolithic community, evidence that an ecological crisis may have triggered the transition of food production has prompted re-examination of the assumption that farmers enjoyed a better life than foragers. Early farmers probably had to work much harder and for much longer periods than food gatherers. Although early farmers commanded a more reliable food supply, their diet contained less variety and nutrition than that of foragers. Skeletons show that Neolithic farmers were shorter on average than earlier foragers. Death from contagious diseases ravaged farming settlements. Some researchers envision violent struggles between farmers and foragers, while others see a more peaceful transition. In most cases, farmers seem to have displaced foragers by gradual infiltration rather than by conquest. Kinship and marriage bound farming communities together. Nuclear family size, parents and their children, may not have risen, but kinship relations traced back over more generations brought distant cousins into common kin network. This encouraged the holding of land by large kinship units known as lineages, or clans. Some societies trace descent equally through both parents, but most give greater importance to, the, to descent through either the mother, matrilineal societies, or the father, patrilineal societies. The early food producers appear to have worshipped ancestral and nature spirits. Their religious religions centered on sacred groves, springs, and wild animals, and included deities such as the Earth Mother and the Sky God. Early food-producing societies used megaliths, or big stones, to construct burial chambers and calendar circles, and to aid in astronomical observations. Most people in early food-producing societies lived in villages, but in some places the environment supported the growth of towns, in which one finds more elaborate dwellings, facilities for surplus food storage, and communities of specialized craftspeople. Two best-known examples of the remains of Neolithic towns are at Jericho and Chatelhayuk. Jericho, on the west bank of the Jordan River, was a walled town with mud-brick structures and dates back to about 8,000 BCE. Chatelhayuk, in central Anatolia, dates to 7,000 to 5,000 BCE. Chatelhayuk was a center for the trade in obsidian. 
Its craftspeople produced pottery, baskets, woolen cloth, beads, and leather and wood products. There is no evidence of a dominant class or centralized political leadership. The art of Chetalhayuk reflects a continued fascination with hunting, but the remains indicate that agriculture was the mainstay of the economy. The remains also indicate that the people of Chetalhayuk had a flourishing religion, having one religious shrine for every two houses. Rituals involved burning dishes of grain, legumes, and meat, but not sacrificing live animals. Statues of plump female deities far outnumber statues of male deities, suggesting that the inhabitants venerated a goddess as their principal deity. The large number of females who were buried elaborately in shrine rooms may have been priestesses of this cult. The remains at Chattelhayuk include decorative or ceremonial objects made of copper, lead, silver, and gold. These metals are naturally occurring, soft and easy to work, but not suitable for tools or weapons, which continue to be made from stone. The discovery of decorative and ceremonial objects of metal in graves indicates that they became symbols of status and power. In the second half of this podcast, we'll be looking at three of the big four early river valley civilizations, Mesopotamia, Egypt, and Indus River Valley. We'll also be looking at how historians and archaeologists use artifacts to recreate the political structures and machinations of a society.